0: Hello everybody and welcome back to Try Not To Stare, the podcast where I talk about mental health and disabilities and I get to interview a bunch of interesting people as well. So in today's episode I get to interview the lovely Sarah who is a TV and film production student at Solent Uni and she talks to me all about her ADHD and her anxiety and we just get to learn a little bit more about herself and her struggles and we also talk about things like what more can be done in society to be more accommodating and things like that. It's a really interesting conversation so I do hope you enjoy this episode. So thank you, Sarah, for joining me on the podcast today. Um, We're going to be talking about your ADHD and anxiety and things like that. So if we just jump into it, I would love to know a little bit more about yourself. If you could introduce yourself, maybe talk a little bit about your diagnosis as well. Well, I'm
1: Sarah. I'm from Costa Rica uh, and I study in England in Solange University. I moved here in 2019. And yeah, it's been a couple of, of years. Mm. So I was diagnosed, actually, when I came to England. Um, the university offered this screening test. Yeah. And I filled it in because I always had trouble, especially organizing myself. And even though I always got good grades, I knew that something was off because yeah. of how difficult it was for me to get tests ready. And I was like, why not? They're offering it yeah. and well <laughs> turned out I was right that there was something wrong uh, so I called a GP to mm. kind of like figure out the, the whole diagnosis because I wanted to get into it yeah and well definitely had it
0: <laughs> then yeah.
1: went to a psychologist back home and she also said like yeah
0: <laughs> oh so what mm-hmm. was the diagnosis process like for you because for me because I'm autistic Um, It was like a three part thing Um, and it actually it took quite a while to actually be referred from the GP to the psychologist to get diagnosed. So what was the process of diagnosis like for you?
1: Uh, First, they send me some like those tests that ask you, uh, do you relate to this? All of that, like a test kind of thing. Yeah, then it's more uh, personal. They go through it with you the questionnaire Uh, for me because of COVID and all that it was on the phone and then with the doctor at home it was online video call so it was more safe to talk I would say Hmm. Uh, they ask you how you manage and why do you feel that that way basically
0: so like you said it was like an online thing Do you think um, you would have preferred to maybe see someone in person and talk more in depth? Or did you quite like that kind of online version of the diagnosis?
1: I liked it online because oh yeah, I'm very anxious um, Mm. with new people, especially opening up with stuff like that. So Mm. I would say that going in person and having to travel to a place I I would not sleep at all Mm. because of the anxiety. So it was more comforting because I was at home or like here. in my room in Southampton and I could be like in my pyjamas and
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah I love that so I'd love to know more about um how your ADHD affects you personally you mentioned how you kind of struggled to get your assignments in order and kind of organize your things um how else does it affect you
1: with my sleep schedule actually it's a big thing it's always been since I was I think seven Mm. I could never sleep on time. I could never follow schedules. Mm. So like I struggled waking up and sleeping. Mm. Kind of just like it depends on how my, what I had on my brain. So if I was like, I need to do this or I'm really focused on something, I couldn't just cut it off and be like, I'll continue tomorrow. That's Mm. like the the part that I would say I struggle the most. Not only with like uni and school, but in normal things like organizing apps a normal person that doesn't have ADHD would be like, I'll do that tomorrow. I mm. can't, yeah. <laughs> I either do it today or I won't ever. And it would take weeks again for me to be like, maybe I should take some back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of similar to me actually. Um, do you feel like since being diagnosed, it's kind of like a little bit of a relief? Like you, you know that you have ADHD now, And you can maybe learn a bit more about it and like maybe different things that affect you differently. So I know for me with my, when I was diagnosed with autism, it was, it was such a relief because now I knew that's what I have and I can learn more about it. And now I understand why I do certain things. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, hundred percent. It feels like that explains why you don't
1: function as well as other people Mm. because we, like p- people normally compare themselves to others. Yeah. So I was like, am I not like, capable enough? Am I lazy? Mm-hmm. Is it like, I thought it was because I wasn't into stuff. So like, uh, oh no, I find, I don't know, science boring. I love science, but for, for some reason I couldn't connect at a certain point. Mm-hmm. And I saw all these people doing schedules and like uh, very organized friends who did all the notes with colors. And I was like, I can't, I can't do that.
0: Neither.
1: <laughs> uh, but yeah, when I, got the answer why I couldn't be like them I was like Mm. okay that that makes sense and it also makes it more normal in a way it's not like a you fault it's like it's how things are and you have to learn to how to manage but it's not your fault so it's Mm. kind of better yeah and in a sense like actually when I found out that I was diagnosed I started looking at memes online and all that there's a bunch of like meme pages mm. on Facebook and Instagram. It's like ADHD, whatever, memes. Mm. And I related so much to it and I'm like, people, that thing that I had, I didn't know it had anything to do with uh, with ADHD, yeah. had no idea. And then I started sharing it because I'm quite, <laughs> I share a lot of memes on my Instagram and <laughs> Facebook. And a friend of mine saw all those memes. It's like, hey, that sounds a lot like me. And he's getting yeah. screened right now oh. by the uh, GP yeah Because yeah, he was like all of the things you post I relate so much to it and, yeah. and he feels better because of that. it's like it's not a me problem so mm.
0: memes help <laughs> definitely yeah I think the power of social media it can be quite a good thing like I've I've tried to use my social media platform to kind of just like raise awareness like I'm doing with this podcast because people might be listening to this or they might be following my instagram and they might be feeling like alone in how they feel or like different in some way and if that can connect with somebody else and i you know we can help people in that way um and also i think to um educate others so i like to do that on my instagram a lot i like to post like you said memes <laughs> um and kind of like in a jokey lighthearted way of educating people because people might not understand why i do certain things um, like you said, with social media, have you joined any like ADHD groups or like do you know anybody else with ADHD now?
1: Oh yeah, actually, uh, like when I came here, I was surprised at how many people get actually diagnosed hmm. uh, from my like course that I know of. Like five people have it. Friends of mine, about two. Wow. Because I, I don't know if it's generational, but when I was in school, the reason why I wasn't like like diagnose or like you know a red flag is because I was never hyperactive physically right so I was never like sports running I was always like I'm just gonna watch tv yeah. <laughs> always been very very chill so I think that's the reason why I didn't raise any red flags because in my sound old in my generation ADHD was only for the hyperactive kids hmm. you could not say that oh this this person has ADHD because they're they're chill No, it doesn't make sense. It's hyperactivity. But they didn't really take in mind back then that it was mental hyperactivity. And that's always been a problem for me.
0: Yeah. So that's somewhat of um, a stereotype that people kind of place on people that have ADHD Um, is like being super hyperactive, isn't it? Because I, I know it's bad, but when you tell people about ADHD, I feel like that's the first thing that they think about is. You know somebody that's kind of running around and being super hyper and that's kind of similar for autism as people tend to relate autism to like young children like kind of having meltdowns and they don't expect somebody with autism to look like me and be an adult that can you know speak her mind and do certain things they don't expect that so, you, yeah, like you said, you didn't really fit the mold for ADHD, which is probably why you kind of went under the radar in school. And that's kind of the same for me. I didn't get diagnosed until I was 20 because they, yeah, I know. And it was like yourself, I chose to get diagnosed. Mm-hmm. and I feel it's quite interesting. I think um, females in general are a lot better at hiding things. And like, yeah. it's funny that, isn't it? Do, you know, you, you said um, how you've got friends with ADHD. Do they struggle with different things to you or are you all kind of similar?
1: Different, it's weird. Cause the, my friends got a diagnosed when they were kids. Oh. So uh, in my school, there was uh, like a specialist who it was, a, I don't know how to say it in English, but it's like a pedagogy, I think it's called. Okay. It's like a branch of, of psychology that deals with learning disabilities.
0: Okay. I'm not really
1: sure the name. Uh, so because they got diagnosed when they were kids, they learn how to deal with that and it it manifested differently with me because Mm. with me it was more like the sleep schedule and organizing life Mm. (laughs) with procrastinating is a big one it's yeah that I can't solve it (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and it's weird because leaving things last minute it helps out because you get that kind of like dopamine like I need to do this that pressure so you get it done and it's addicting to do that because if it, yeah I mean if I get a good grade out of it I would probably do the same and suffer yeah
0: yeah so you do put that kind of pressure on yourself I find that really interesting because it's kind of like a coping mechanism that you've learned to deal with I wonder what kind of other coping mechanisms you have
1: I would say I kind of learn how to work with it as in I don't see it really as a disadvantage mm.
0: the
1: ADHD I see it Superpower. Mm. I I trust myself, but I do know that I cannot mirror what others are doing. So mm. kind of like not asking people if they've done an the essay. Mm. <laughs> just not ask them because I get anxious about it, and just like learn to 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 work around it. So let's say something that I struggled with in school is that usually we would have like blocks. So we had like one hour of science, one hour of math, then literature. I struggle a lot with that because I prefer to just do one single thing all day. Yeah. So, because I get into it and I'm like, oh, I'm doing this essay, so I cannot switch to another thing. Oh, God. I I wish that they would take that into consideration for like, because you know, education systems are are changing.
0: Mm. So, like,
1: maybe doing like a two block thing instead of six classes one day, because it's really difficult to disconnect, connect, disconnect, and then go back home and connect to it again. Mm. that that I think that was the biggest struggle for me in school
0: yeah definitely I really relate to what you're saying actually because when I'm at home doing my uni work I will assign one day to do one assignment and then the next day I'll work on the next assignment and that's how I just work things out because like you said chopping and changing and going back and forth it just completely throws you out of like your schedule and If anything, it makes me feel more anxious, which is really weird because I think other people can just deal with that. They can just do an hour of this and an hour of that and it's completely fine. But like you said, you just get absorbed into one thing for that one day. You mentioned how you had anxiety as well. Do you feel like um, your anxiety um, can kind of worsen your ADHD? It depends, I would say.
1: Hmm. it helps sometimes like I said with the last minute things right uh, it makes me have to concentrate or concentrate Mm. there's no other options that or I fail (laughs) (laughs) so in that sense it's like it motivates it but in social scenarios it does make it make it worse like I do struggle when when I'm like uh, talking to people Mm. I never know how to stand stand up Mm. (laughs) it's weird I don't know if I should put my hands like on my pockets or like this or yeah I never know so I overthink those little things and I'm like am I making enough eye contact am I not and the fact that I think COVID made it even worse Uh, before that I I used to think about those things but like Mm. because I didn't see groups of people so like you know Mm. things got better I'm like okay where am I supposed to look like am Mm. I supposed to interrupt and it, it worsens the mm. whole anxiety part, like social anxiety part. But yeah.
0: <laughs> How do you kind of overcome that? Do you find that sometimes you kind of, in social situations, you put on a mask and it's kind of like a bit of an act?
1: Yeah, it's funny because, like, when I was a child, I was really, I was categorized as shy. Mm. You everyone know, would say, like, oh, you're so shy. And like, I, I wasn't really, I was always very social, but I was like introverted. But mm. for some reason, I think it's also a cultural thing. Cause like, because I'm Latino, yeah. you, like they're more social, they're more loud. So I was like, not not traditionally like that. It's like what a weirdo. Mm. <laughs> so it's like you were pushed out of that mm. naturally. I like uh, nine year old me wouldn't do a presentation. I would freak out like the week before. It's like, oh no, I have to speak in public. I can't. Yeah, like, I freaked out. Uh, But it's like, because you have to do that or you fail, kind of pushes you out of that shell, even though if you're naturally shy, you kind of have to, you know, Hmm. but I I kind of like now uh, talking to people and stuff and and doing presentations, I don't mind uh, presenting in class or like, because I do film and TV
0: Hmm. pitching,
1: basically like a presentation where you sell an idea. Yeah. Back then I would be terrified. (laughs) and I actually like doing those things because yeah yeah.
0: do you think maybe like practice makes perfect so now you're just used to doing it
1: I think it does uh and and having confidence in yourself as well Mm. you know like okay what I'm doing is good
0: yeah definitely and you said how you are um, studying tv and film production um, do you feel like that there are um, certain misconceptions from people in the TV industry and film industry regarding like ADHD and other disabilities? What's your kind of view on, on that?
1: I think lately, like these past years, they've been more open about it. Hmm. Uh, like how different people work. And the good thing about the industry, like I'm saying, I'm talking about, backstage but right?
0: hmm. uh, there's
1: so many different roles so like depending on on what you you know your limitations or something you could move around so let's say if you're very organized like this i'm not doing this <laughs> producing <laughs> yeah. you have to be so organized and like schedule yeah. you can't do that <laughs> and if you're more social you could be like a researcher or something you have to Uh, go and talk to people um, that's kind of like what you're good at actors really um, if I've done some research and a lot of actors have ADHD kind of helps them because they're on the spot so they have to do that like at that moment and they really they're really good at that Mm. so I think there's opportunities for people to kind of like find their role in Mm. the industry but I think it's kind of a recent thing that they're more open about. Okay, this person is like, you
0: know, mm.
1: struggles a bit. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. What kind of accommodations do you think can be made for people working in the industry with ADHD or a different, like, disability? What do you think would help people? For me, I feel like just giving people more time to do certain tasks um, and, like, kind of I prefer to do I prefer to get given a task and then I'll finish that task and then I'll go back and get another task from the manager instead of people saying right do this this and this and then I'll remember the first one but then I'll be like wait what what else did you ask me (laughs) to do and I'll get super confused so like when at work I'll have to ask them to like not overload me with information and I feel like sometimes in the industry, it's such a competitive industry oh, in yeah. itself. Like you need to be on it. And I don't feel like it's often a very um, diverse or inclusive workplace. And there, there aren't really very many accommodations that are made for people with disabilities, in my opinion, anyway. Yeah, that mentioning. That's very
1: true, like in general. Mm. Uh, this culture around like being a workaholic, romanticized kind of like yeah. glorified like oh I work uh, uh, 34 hours uh, a day like there's not even 34 hours but they're like yeah. I don't sleep I don't eat yeah I don't need that I just I don't have lunch breaks it's <laughs> like so glorified mm. that uh, it tells you something so like you feel bad because you struggle a bit like mm. um I need sometimes breaks because my brain just dies yeah like, okay I'll have to take a break or like sometimes I can't take a break because I'm so like today Uh, Mm. I was so focused that I'm like oh I don't need a break but I think it does have a lot to do with that kind of culture like I I work three jobs oh my gosh yeah definitely pressing yourself for for work that kind of thing if it's so glorified then people who struggle to even do one job are gonna feel awful
0: Mm. yeah definitely I'd love to know also what um what you think more could be done to represent people with ADHD in the media and in film as well because i know i think there's been a few films where they have where the actor has tried to portray somebody with ADHD and it's been very much stereotypical ADHD like really like overly hyperactive and like really kind of um making it so obvious i feel like i feel like there needs to be more accurate representation what do you think?
1: I think that that's true and it's also difficult we see it with other things like with uh, div- um, gender diversity and uh, yeah thing like with um, ethnicity and all of that you see it because it's, it's difficult for the writers to make a character a character not just what they represent yeah and I think that's something that, that they struggle a lot with because yeah. I, I with LGBT and stuff, they, they don't give them any more storylines. They just make yeah. them like a gay character, a Black character, a Latino character. Mm. They don't expand beyond that. And that, that's something that I need to know to show that we are normal people. We just have this thing, but yeah. we're normal. We have friends, we have family. And I think that's something that they they have to work on, like correctly representing and Without overdoing it, like, hey, I have ADHD. Like every every line that a character has would probably be like, I have ADHD. Yeah, <laughs>
0: <Like> we get gonna... <laughs> Absolutely, I do think also um, when they're doing these kinds of roles in film, I feel like they really should be casting people with that disability because there are so many fantastic actors out there that have ADHD or autism. I'm not sure if you've seen, but um, do you know Sia? the singer and she did that movie yeah Mm -hmm. oh my god it caused such an uproar in the like autism and disability in community because the actress wasn't even autistic and oh my god it was just so infuriating because I was like I'm over here and I can you know I can do that role (laughs) and it was just so so bad what, what did you think of that when you saw that I just think that there's so much to pick from
1: why why Absolutely. don't they go for people who who will by acting they will feel more represented as well yeah be like okay I have I also have autism mm. I am I know what it feels like so they will kind of it will be more therapeutic as well
0: so yeah finally
1: like represented and not not masking because masking is a it's a big thing with the autistic and ADHD community yeah we're used to tell to be told that we have to tone it down or like yeah uh, learn to deal with it and it, it's nice for an actor that actually has those things to be like yeah. this is what I struggle with every day look at yeah. this so,
0: yeah and to be like the real authentic like show the truth behind I know everybody's different everybody struggles in a different way um but I just think it would have been so good if it was just, they just hired somebody with autism or ADHD, like just to be accurate, I I think that's the mistake that many people in the media and film industry makes is not casting people with disabilities. Like I was was going back to earlier, it's not very inclusive, this industry, and that, you know, more could be done. Yeah, what do you think? Would you like to see more of that in like film and things? Yeah, definitely. And I think
1: the problem... uh... Is that those people with like either um, who are different either because of their gender or race or disability they're discouraged or like even body types <laughs> they're discouraged when they're choosing careers or something
0: mm. from
1: even entering that career. Yeah. So I think that's also an issue because the industry is like, oh, you wanna you wanna be a ballerina with that body type or yeah. oh, you wanna be uh, you wanna be an actor with that accent stuff yeah. like that they're discouraged so. I believe there's there would have been many 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 actors to choose from yeah if those comments weren't made and maybe those people were like okay i'm gonna do something else because i see no future in this industry so yeah. opening up those casting wheels, like we're casting people with this disability or casting people with this ethnicity uh, if they do that more people that are kind of like choosing careers and things they will be like okay there, there's a way for me to 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 make profit because at the end of the day you do have to eat
0: um
1: to to make a a name to to get jobs now there's opportunity
0: for me to do it yeah definitely so um we spoke earlier about your the things that you kind of struggle with I'd love to know are there any positives to having ADHD
1: yeah I think that they are (laughs) especially with the being able to work on the person uh because I could go on without again if I have to put an all-nighter I won't die from it (laughs) I'm used to that I could spend hours and hours sometimes I don't even take bathroom breaks I'm like and in my mind I'm like I need I need to go to the bathroom I need to do this I need to Mm. I I have to turn on the light I have to turn on the light but I'm so focused that I I forget and eventually I have to like stand up yeah but I think that ability hyper focus and anything could be happening around me I wouldn't notice because I'm so focused on that task that yeah the, the kitchen could be burning them later later yeah. <laughs> Let me <finish> the sentence. <laughs>
0: yeah yeah I love that so, yeah, so you're that hyper focused um enthusiastic maybe what else yeah
1: okay so what I've researched from apparently we get like obsessions mm. so like we may get may get obsessed with I don't know a show and mm. we won't shut up about it uh, I did that as a child and actually my mom was the one to to point it out to me Mm. when I was a kid like why are you watching that again I used to watch like Lion King was my favorite movie
0: yeah like
1: three times a day with the VHS those were the Mm. days oh my gosh remember you had to um, you had to like go back to rewind
0: it yeah
1: Yeah. and I didn't care I was like I'm watching it again yeah so yeah you could see the something there with with the obsessions Mm. but it's also good um, I say with research, when I have to do a research paper or research some subject, I oh. will go into it. <laughs> yeah. I will research every single detail, and I love doing that because I get into it. Yeah. And when you see I have a 20 page document with all of the notes. So it's yeah. kind of like a, a good thing on that on that sense.
0: Yeah. That's so funny that you say that because I'm just realizing how like similar that autism and ADHD can be, because um like with you with Lion King my mum told me the other day how um when I was younger I had an obsession with Peter Pan and I would play it on the VHS and the videotape and I would just watch it all day every day and that's something that has like stuck with me whilst I don't watch Peter Pan anymore the obsession has changed and I just get different obsessions with things um a lot of TV shows like Harry Potter, Charmed, like <laughs> I could just watch them over and over and never get bored. It's so funny that you you also do the same thing.
1: Yeah, I, I still do it. Not, not as intense because, you know, uni and, and other stuff. Mm-hmm. But I, I, yeah, when I was like 11, I, I got really obsessed with Glee and Twilight. Oh, cool. God, I watched those films. <laughs> I watched the Twilight films like 20 times. I had them downloaded on my computer. You remember LimeWire? Yes.
0: Uh, oh, my gosh.
1: Well, I think there was one similar. I think Aris. It was a weird name that you mm. could download films, like an M- MP4. Oh, wow.
0: I downloaded
1: all of the Twilight films, all of the Glee episodes, and I had them mm. on my 2010 computer. Mm. I watched them over and over. I even remember the dialogue because I rewatched Glee recently, like the whole show, mm. and I could remember all of the dialogue.
0: Oh my gosh, I love that. Yeah, yeah, so cute. Yeah, I know Harry Potter word for word. And I, I'm pretty sure my husband gets so annoyed with me by now. But what can you do? <laughs> oh dear. You mentioned in um, the message to me that you have dogs and you have like a special connection with dogs. Tell me a little bit more about that.
1: Oh man, I love them. Uh, even, um, okay, when I was three, um, my parents got a another golden retriever. Mm. Uh, his name was Tito so I bonded with him immediately mm. uh, I even have pictures and everything mm. they're like in the you know old cameras yeah uh, we bonded immediately it's so weird I think because I'm also an only child mm. and my parents are immigrants in Costa Rica they're Colombians so I mm. didn't have family either so I mm. think that lack of family made me bond with a, with a dog Mm. and because that love for animals was like engraved since i was three Mm. now it's like i think it's a connection you cannot replicate again when you love a dog when you learn to or a cat
0: Mm. with an
1: animal it's something that you cannot find in other people yeah there's no way it's so it's such a pure connection and right now because i don't have any dogs or or anything i just struggle to fill that void even with like I could have thousands of friends, but I still feel like yeah, okay, I don't have my dogs. They do help me a lot with anxiety and I think with like strong emotions in general. Like mm. having them around, hugging them. Even the physical contact is so different because it's just like you hug them, yeah, and, and it feels better and they read you. It's it's incredible how they know when you're stressed yeah they they especially mini my my, the smaller dog Hmm. uh, she knows when i'm stressed she immediately like just goes to my side and
0: yeah
1: yeah it's it's so special it's like mutual it's not only one-sided like yeah the dog loves you you love them and if Hmm. you're lucky now you learn how to read them
0: definitely it's beautiful It's, it's so like non-judgmental as well. I've got two sausage dogs. One of them is actually like a trained therapy dog for me. And when I tell you I love this dog, oh my God, he is my life. Like, I think people think it's weird, but like, he is literally like my baby. And I just, oh God, I love him so much, but he's trained to, um, when I have a like a panic attack or, um a meltdown he's trained to like jump on my chest and put all of his weight on my chest so it kind of like relieves that for me and he licks my face and like when I cry as well he's just there all the time and it's just such like a non-judgmental love like even if you are just having a bit of a crazy five minutes he'll just like nudge you with his nose and he'll just be there and like you he'll make you stroke him as well and I don't know it's just so The connection between animals is just so strong. I just couldn't, dogs are the best.
1: (laughs) And and yeah, it's weird for me, it's impossible to picture life without them. Mm. Um, They, I don't know, I think something you have to experience for yourself.
0: Yeah, Yeah, definitely. I feel like I feel a bit of a stronger connection to animals and dogs in particular, than I do with humans. <laughs> I know it sounds so funny and sounds a bit awful, but I do just feel like, like um, more like empathy, I guess, for animals than I would for humans. Like if if somebody was to fall down the stairs, I'd be like, "Oh, are you okay?" But I wouldn't feel I like, you know, it would, <laughs> but if a, like a dog fell down the stairs or something happened, I'd be like, "Oh my god!" Like, yeah, like it's, it's that like with, of...
1: with
0: the movies. Yeah. Oh god
1: i i don't know I, I watch anything and i'm like okay but if there's i have like this rule if there's a dog on like the the um, trailer or something I, I don't watch it yeah because i know the dog's gonna die <laughs> at the end yeah. of the movie
0: yeah
1: i i can't i can't do with that it's just i i bow my eyes out because hmm. it's so so real
0: hmm. i'd also love to know a little bit more about um if you've ever faced any discrimination for your anxiety or ADHD because it can often be quite misunderstood. And I know for me, I have faced quite a bit of discrimination. Um, because yeah, autism is is very under misunderstood, I think. Um, mm-hmm. but I wonder for you, have you ever faced anything like that?
1: Yeah, the anxiety uh, when I was a child, I didn't really fit in. I want to say child, but like preteen, you know, yeah. that awful awful stage when like clicks are being formed and people judge you for existing Mm. that kind of stuff Uh, I think that was like an awful time for me because again I was always like weird
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and and, yeah because I was shy and that's not you know popular being shy
0: yeah
1: now we get a lot of like oh why are you so weird and kind Mm -hmm. of left out it was just like one year that I like everyone was being so mean and stuff but I used to laugh a lot <laughs> and I laugh at very awkward moments oh <laughs> same. same yeah it's like so, you're dumb
0: mm. like why do you
1: find that funny it's so dumb like you know kids stuff but I did feel left out because I, I didn't fit in into what was expected and even with teachers sadly just a few were comprehensive we're like, yeah, I get it. You don't want to do this because you're shy. No, they, w- they will shame you. They're like, you have to do this. Real life. Like, you, you like to 11-year-old sh- child, it's like they're, they're
0: telling you to mask mm. things like that that kind of make you feel like there's something wrong with you. Oh, so, so nothing like that has ever happened to you as an adult, has it?
1: Not really, because I, I kind of learned how to, like, ease into stuff. Mm. Um, so, like, I'm... I have a lot of friends, I'm very social, so I learned to embrace my weirdness instead of like trying to fit in, because if I try to fit in, then I I would be alone, basically. Mm. It's like finding that uniqueness and just making a joke out of it. That's something that I learned how to do, just joking, taking the importance out of things that don't really matter at the end of the day. Mm. That's what helps.
0: Definitely. Do you have any like advice for people that maybe they're listening to this and they're thinking, "Yeah, that sounds like me. I might be. You know, I might have ADHD." What What would your advice to those people listening be? I would say
1: go for it. Like uh, research. Do your research. Uh, in many sources, because again, if, if uh you gotta like listen to experiences, not only like what you know, the official NHS side is saying, because they're going to be very vague. Yeah. They'll be like, oh, you get distracted. That's it. Even with the coronavirus, you see they're like shortness of breath, cough. That's it. Oh, yeah. Are you That's the only symptom? you know?
0: Yeah. So it's
1: like investigate reliable sources. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But also listen to other people, Like you know, experience people close to you. Maybe you could ask like your uni or like school, depending on where you are. To, to talk to maybe a teacher who knows. And well, the, the best remedy is always comedy. So I would say, yeah look at memes and <laughs> if you relate to them yeah. a little bit, then go ahead and, and get a screening. If you don't have it, you don't have it. If you do, you do. It's not, it's not the end of the world and it might help you understand why you're struggling
0: so much definitely and I do hope things like this podcast will help people because if they're listening and they're like well yeah that sounds like like me but like you said on the NHS website it says you have ADHD if you're hyperactive you know Mm -hmm. it's very stereotypical um and often I feel like it's more so aimed to like children yeah I do Mm -hmm. hope things like like we're doing now, just talking about our experience. And I'm just hoping that it can help some people out there too. In the- yeah, experiences and, and, and just branching out is very important. And lastly, I do want to ask you one last question is, after your diagnosis, what help was offered to you um, for your ADHD? Uh, okay, in England, they didn't really offer me any treatment. They
1: put me on a list because I learned how to manage.
0: Mm, how long was that waiting
1: list? I'm still still, oh my god that was like in I think early October wow when I got like back here and and I was like okay I'm struggling a bit too much and they I'm still on the list it's probably gonna be there till I graduate
0: yeah
1: so because they don't see the urgency they're like oh this is an adult she's in uni she she's there for a reason you know Hmm. I think that's that's the whole the whole thing of why they're delaying it so much So
0: treatment-wise, I didn't get anything. Um, Oh my gosh! There's so such long waiting lists, and I mean, often it can be like two years long just to get like on a waiting list for therapy, talking therapy. It's just ridiculous that people have to wait that long for some help. Yeah, Yeah,
1: they they treat you. I think not even like the very serious cases, like people with depression or anything. Mm. I remember what they. Like the therapist at the phone told me, I was like, it's not that serious. It's not immediate. Oh I'm my like, God. so you're saying you're you're waiting for it to complicate, to take it seriously? That's that's not things have yeah. to be preventive. You have to prevent people from getting there. It's yeah. like getting out of there is difficult. Mm. You have to same with chronic illness. That's another issue in the UK. Because mm-hmm. I have PCOS. They they basically told me eat well. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah even with like you know real
0: really home, <laughs> yeah they don't
1: take it seriously there's no no such thing as preventive medicine here yeah. from what i've gathered they just they just care when you're the problem is beyond control and that shouldn't be the case cuz you want to prevent people from getting to that dark place where they they don't see the way out you mm-hmm. want to prevent that not mm-hmm. just like wait until it happens to take it seriously because it's going to be more difficult and that person might have might have felt better if you would have given them therapy and not got into that place so definitely
0: yeah you've raised some really interesting points there and I do really agree with you that there should be preventative care there should be um help offered immediately especially if you're a vulnerable person you know you can go into a downward spiral so so easily so um I definitely do think that um that more needs to be done and hopefully if we all raise our voices loud enough one day the government will listen <laughs> who knows but thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast I really enjoyed hearing your perspective and your experiences thank you So, what did you guys think of the episode? I really enjoyed learning more about Sarah's life experiences and how she deals with her ADHD. There's a really common misconception and a stereotype that ADHD is just poor behaviour or a result of lack of discipline and this is not the case. I do hope that the interview with Sarah has really helped to break these stereotypes and educate listeners on how it can affect people differently this condition affects so many people in the UK and it can often feel quite isolating I feel. Upon further research I found out that about 1.5 million adults in the UK have the condition but actually only 120,000 are formally diagnosed and like we were talking about in my interview with Sarah so many people aren't getting the diagnosis because there is often a really long waiting list and it takes too long to get a diagnosis, especially if you're an adult seeking a diagnosis. I feel like, in my opinion, perhaps it's more easily accessible for um, young children and families to get a diagnosis. But unfortunately, our mental health services in the UK are lacking funding, and I feel like this is why we're seeing such a crisis in not only care for people with mental health issues and disabilities, but there's also a crisis for people not getting the diagnosis they need and the help that they really deserve and hopefully media attention such as this podcast can help to raise awareness for these issues. This episode is actually the final episode in the season. I do hope you've all enjoyed the podcast so far and have learned something about the many different mental health issues and disabilities I've talked about with my many different guests My overall aim for this first season was mainly to raise awareness of different issues by talking openly about individual experiences. I hoped that by sharing our different experiences with these topics, it helps to make people feel less alone if they're going through something similar and also to create a safe community of people that want to hear about these topics and people's life experiences in a more casual, conversational way rather than a very formal interview which can sometimes be a little bit boring. (laughs) I wanted these episodes to feel like you're listening in on a conversation with friends and I do hope I've achieved that. I know I said this is the final episode of the season but don't fear, try not to stare, we'll be back for a second season very soon. In the meantime please do follow our Instagram page and check out our website and merch store too. Thank you all so much for listening and remember, try not to stare. Until next time guys!